Welcome to episode 182 of the Thunder Underground podcast. Trent Jason here. And this week, we've got a good one. I think so. Very pleased to be able to say Mike Dean from Corrosion and Conformity is here with us this week. That's right. So now, two members of COC have been on this podcast, which is... When we started this podcast, one of our top five goals was to have all four members of COC on this <laughs> podcast. I just made that goal up, but it sounds like... <laughs> We're halfway there. sounds like a good goal that we We're would have. We're halfway there. Yeah. But yeah, Mike Dean coming up here in just a bit. For that, we are sponsored this episode and all episodes by Vitz Screen Printing and DEB Concerts. Vitz Screen Printing out of Oklahoma City does screen printing for t-shirts, hoodies, hats, basically anything you need screen printed they can do for you. They do our t-shirts, they do a lot of band t-shirts, they do it for businesses. Anything that you've got that you need t-shirts of, these guys will do it. Great, great people and great business. VITS screen printing. Look them up on Facebook, follow them, get on their website. You can order anywhere, have it shipped for you, have it shipped to you. They're extremely reasonable and glad to have them on as a sponsor. That's right. We've also got DEB Concerts based out of here in Tulsa who are continually bringing kick-ass concerts to the Tulsa area. Just recently, Bisto Blanco and Steelheart this past week. Tons of other great bands have come through, like Dokken, more than once. We've had Winger, Warrant, Firehouse, Lita Ford, Jack Russell. The list goes on and on. But coming up here in August, August 18th, we've got Faster Pussycat with Don Jameson and Dead Metal Society opening that show. Then we've got, what would be after that, October 5th would be Sebastian Bach. That's right. That's going to be a great one, Sebastian Bach, playing all the hits of Skid Row. And, you knew it. And the solo songs that weren't hits, <laughs> like American Metalhead. Oh, Lord. Anyway, I love Sebastian Bach regardless of that Hey, song. they're hits in your mind. <laughs> That's right. right. Monty Pittman is opening this show up. He is an awesome guitarist, has some solo albums out. Check those out. And then another band called One Bad Reason. Okay. Or no, sorry, One Bad Son. And then... We've got November 3rd, Kicks returning to Tulsa for the first time since who knows when. I think it was Rockahoma. Well, I'm said, I said Tulsa, not Oklahoma. Oh, that's right. God knows God <laughs> knows when they last time they were in Tulsa. <laughs> back in the, in back in the heyday, probably 92 or something. Yeah, yeah, something like that. Well, they're going to they're gonna strip the paint off the walls. It's going to be a great show. That's right. They're going to roll you in honey. I hope... I'm okay with saying that, too. Whatever. Yeah. If Steve Whitman wants to do it, why not? That's right. With the voice and the rock and roll presence of that guy, you can do whatever you want to me. Uh, if... Okay, this just went off the rails too early in this show. Yeah, just way too early. <laughs> good Lord. That show has Sweat and Bullets and our good friends in Rocket Science opening that one. Nice. Then December 8th, L.A. Guns and Junkyard. That one's going to be killer. L.A. Guns has played IDL before. Great live band. And then we've got Junkyard, who is one of the most underrated bands from that era. Ever. Yeah. So glad to finally be able to see them. Both I mean, you and I have yep. never got to see them. This is rock to the first order. That's right. If you're not familiar with Junkyard, do your homework and get familiar. Yep. Even if you're like, even if you're listening to this and you live in like Indonesia, 
Well, if you live in Indonesia, you probably know who Junkard is because all those people know. Yeah, they know they're good. Yeah, I'm if you're in Portugal, you, is, you, you, Portugal, they're not up to shit. So, <laughs> look up the first two, three Junkard or two Junkard albums and then a new one. You've got the third one's pretty good. But, you've got the internet. You've got no excuse. That's right. So yeah, all these great shows coming up thanks to DB Concerts. All these are at the Ideal Ballroom in Tulsa, Oklahoma. All of them are hosted by Eddie Trunk, and we hope to see you at all of them. All right. Last week, D. Snyder released a new solo album. Yes. He it's almost as good well as did. the D. Does Broadway album. Oh my God. Um, it's better. Yeah, it's a little better. Okay, that that's that's better. <laughs> D. Snyder for the love of Mo. So, man, what was it? Where are we at? We're in August now. Mm-hmm. I think it was. We were this year or late last year when he was on Josta's podcast. Yeah. And I remember we both listened to it and like, hey, did you hear that? And Josta was saying, you need to make a, an album. Yes. A heavy metal album with just different people playing and writing for you and you just fucking sing it and just go balls out. Yeah, like 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 Halford did or something like that when yeah. Halford made like, you know, Resurrection and stuff. And what's what was so cool is, you know, anybody that comes on if you listen to Jamie Josta's podcast, anybody that comes on there, he's got a million pitch ideas for him. He's got a million yeah. things he wants to pitch at all of them. And maybe 5% and, of them end up And happening. everybody's like, oh, yeah, that's cool, whatever. You know, no matter if it's somebody big or somebody from, you know, I, I, I don't know, fucking Havoc or whatever. Like, you know, but this is one that D. Snyder finally, you know, called his bluff and they fucking did it. And... Holy shit, what a record. Yeah. I mean, this is top five, top three for the year, I can already tell you. Yeah. I it's, mean, for me, fuck, I, I mean... Yeah, after a couple of listens, down. I mean, it's up there with Priest and oh, Night man. Flight Orchestra to yeah, me. definitely. It's probably top three. Yeah. Things could change, but I seriously doubt it. You know, the, he, there's a lot of players on this record, a lot of guests, um... You know, I wish, I guess if, you know, I went and bought the physical album, which you fucking did. Didn't I got you? it yesterday. You should have the fuck. you should know the, the list of people that, yeah. who did, who do, who wrote what and who did what. I got it last night, but I haven't busted open yet, so I should have brought that with fucking me. Fucking slacker. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, you've been doing nothing lately, let me tell you. I know. Just kidding. But we do Actually. know that Charlie, the guitarist from Toxic Holocaust, yes. plays the majority of all the guitars. The drummer from Toxic Holocaust plays the majority. I think all the drums, actually. Yeah. And uh, I'm trying to remember if he does the bass, too, or not. But, you know, and then there's some guests in it. Mark Morton plays on a song. There might be a couple other guest guitarists. But all the songs are written by different people. Joster, you know, wrote, yeah. obviously. Howard Jones from Light the Torch, formerly of Killswitch Engage, wrote a song. Mark Morton wrote a song. I think I'd read Doc Coyle wrote a song. Yes. I'm not definite yeah. on that. And then it sounds like uh, Five Finger Death Punch wrote a song. I don't know. Uh, that This must be <laughs> the American Maid you were talking about. <laughs> no. But no. Regardless of who wrote it, you know, and then D. Snyder didn't write anything. He said, admitted that in an interview, like mm-hmm. shortly, right before it came out, said he had nothing to do with the writing, just put it all in Josta's hands to get that taken yep. care of. Yeah. And we know Josta can do that because... Obviously, all his shit's great, but yes. then he's always had guest writers, and he writes with other people. Did that song recently with Tommy Victor, and it's always superb shit, you know? So, you can easily put that in Justice's hands. And Yeah, I mean, and now that, 
you know, because I think it was last year, the year before, D. Snyder put out a solo record that was, it was just a fucking beer coaster. <laughs> I mean, it was just, you know, modern rock crap. You know, he was trying to appeal to the swoopy haired 19 year olds, and that's yeah. not going to fucking work when you're D. Snyder. Right. Ain't happening. Um, and so, you know, with this, this is what he should be doing. This is fucking legit. And I think something like this is going to give him, you know, if he wants 10 more years out of this, he's got it now. Right. You know, doing festivals and, and the whole, that whole thing. There you go. That's kind of a good point. Cause what I was thinking, it's like, you know, there's a lot of artists that are like his age or artists that have been around forever and mm-hmm. haven't had like commercial success for a while or something. Yeah. But you say, this is the record they needed to make. He didn't yeah. with D Snyder. He didn't have to make this record to be to continue on no, filling no. up filling up audiences, got, all this shit. Yeah, he's he, got the the catalog that people still show up for. Yes, he's got a million irons in the fire and he, he's not he hasn't his success hasn't yeah. waned. He can still go do casino shows and do twisted sister songs. Right. But I'm just so, as far as you know He didn't have to make it, but he needed to make it yes. to to expand, I think. Exactly. I, I, I get that. That's yeah, you're right. Because, you know, he could always been D. Snyder and went out and opened for a lot of major acts if he felt like it. But yeah. now, with this record, he could go out and open for freaking Five Finger Death Punch or Avenged Sevenfold, mm-hmm. and it makes sense. Yeah. Because definitely. all these songs are, you know, heavy, modernized, but still sound like badass and old school. Yeah, it's, his st- voice. it's still metal. Yeah. And then he can, you know, and then he throws in all the classic Twisted Sister songs and are a little bit heavier because mm-hmm. of the people playing them, and it That's right. plays to that audience, and people will love it. Yeah, I mean, you know, you got to get this record, people. This record's fucking awesome. Yeah, so it's one of those things where it's kind of hard to say. I can't even tell you what my favorite song on it is because every single song, it's it's one of those hashtag off killer no filler ones we talk about. Yeah, I mean, um, Running Mazes, I really like that fucking song. Yeah, right off the bat, Lies Are Business is yeah. probably one of my favorite songs. Yeah, but, but like you the said, Storm, I like that. Yeah, that one's cool because it's a little more melodic yeah. and less just straight up metal. Like a lot of these, there's riffs all over the place that are badass, yeah. but it's just pounding metal. And then a couple of these songs like Become the Storm and Dead Hearts with uh, Alyssa from Arch Enemy. Yeah. You know, or a little more melodic, and well, obviously that one's like a ballad in the hardest way. With um, Howard Jones, yeah, has his melody added yes. to it with his amazing vocals. I mean, it's just it, it's you can't. I, I don't know. You can't fuck with this record. American Made, like I joked about it. It's a it's a cool song because it's him. It's one of those. It's the only song that, like, I think if anyone else was singing it, I'm like, I probably wouldn't have been as into it. Yeah, but D. Snyder makes it. Yeah, cool. You know, and then the final song. The title track. You listen to this and just like read those lyrics outside in your head. You almost, if anyone else was singing this, this would come off corny. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like at when, the end, he even screams, we're all fucking metal. I'm like, if anyone else would have screamed that, I'd be like, oh, okay, dude. Yeah. You're, <laughs> you're cool with your affliction shirt screaming. We're all fucking metal or whatever. Yeah. But this is D Snyder. And it sounds like he fucking means it because he does. Yeah. <laughs> kind of like when, when Megadeth did victory, that was kind of corny. Right. You know? <laughs> and if you don't know what I'm talking about, go look that song up. Yeah. But yeah, this is definitely an album that everyone needs to check out if you're a fan of metal. Kind of like 
you mentioned Halford Resurrection, and Dee Snyder said in a recent interview with Josta that they kind of went from more for a fight feel than a yeah. resurrection feel. Was their goal with it? I get that. And you can kind of, I mean, you can hear yeah. You can hear that. Yeah. Well, it's it's where D needs to be. It really yeah. is. Yeah. So very glad to get something like this that we would I would I never really expected to get. So. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. D. Snyder for the love of metal. Check it out. One of the albums of the year, you know, so far and uh, for sure. It's going to be one of mine for sure. Yep. All right. So we need to talk about COC or what? Let's let's get into this. Let's do this. Yeah. We did this interview with uh, Mike Dean. At COC's show in Oklahoma City at the Diamond Ballroom, they opened up for Black Level Society. The show feature also featured I Hate God, and it's the tour that started way back in January. Yes. Most of the dates happened in January and February, but there was a little block of a few dates that got canceled in there because Zach got sick. And, as you know, that rarely ever happens with Zach Wilde, at least, you know, canceling shows. Yeah. So this one got rescheduled, and what was great about it was that a lot of times when a show gets rescheduled seven months later, you're not going to get the same openers because they're yeah. off doing, they already had shit planned, but this worked out. Our COC and I Hate God was right back, and they made a full tour out of it again, not just their makeup dates. Yeah. So we got this full tour, and you got to love it. I mean, Zach has always been great about bringing consistently good openers with him, mm-hmm. no matter what whether it's Black Label or his solo stuff or whatever he's yeah. done. This is no exception. COC is a band that both of us have been one of our favorite bands forever and glad to see them on this. And I Hate God's another band that deserves this exposure. Yes, they do. 30 years, they put a lot of work into this. They've been through, they've been through hell. Yeah. And uh, they, they were way better live than I expected. Uh, so that was a treat as well. Yeah. Yeah, they just sound really... I know what the right word is, is powerful live. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. that band just sounds really huge. And Bigger than the records at times, I think. Yeah. Yeah, so that, like you mentioned that to me there, and I thought I thought the same thing. I was really impressed, and, you know, I've, I've always been a fan when I listen to him, but that kind of seeing him live like that, you know, pushed me over the top, I yeah. think. Yeah, definitely. Because I... I swore, didn't we see him like in the 90s opening for someone? I didn't. You might have because, you know, you, you, you went to a lot more shows than I did at some points. All right. You, you might you might have saw one of those Pantera things or. Yeah, know. that's probably what it was. Yeah. Well, yeah. But anyway, if you're not familiar with I Hate God, Jimmy Bauer is the guitarist. Yeah. Who, of course, is the guitarist in Superjoint and the drummer for Down. That's right. So we had half a down, or two th- two fifths of down, out here on this tour, because Pepper Keenan, of course, leading COC. That's and right. Basically, the revival of COC over the past couple years. You know, because Pepper was gone for about seven, eight years. Yeah, I guess. yeah, I think so. Then he came back. First tour they did, you know, was opening for Lamb of God. After they did some of their own, you know, a few small things. Yeah. We got to see that, and that was in 2016. So, and you know, and ever since then, they've been touring, they made this album, and we're here we are two years later, and they're still going strong, and they're still touring, and they're touring into next year from what I think they've said. Yeah. And he even said, well, he mentioned in this interview, and then Pepper mentioned on stage that headline U.S. tour in 2019. That's going to be awesome. So. We'll be there. No signs of letting up. No. Uh-uh. Yeah. I'd definitely travel for that, because we got COC for, what was like, eight songs. 
and eight or nine songs, and it was just that band never ceases to amaze me. No, it was it was everything you'd want. You knew every song. It was great. Yeah, yeah. They opened. they were fucking tight as a drum. Yeah, yeah. But you know, look, I love you know Zach Wilde's one of my favorite musicians of all time. I love Black Love Society. Yeah, but I walked away from that show. Like COC just owned that place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. That's no offense to Black Love Society because they're fucking great. Yeah, but I agree. Just, I agree. Yeah, I every think it's song. because I think it's because you know we, we've we've just banged ourselves over the head so much with Zach Wild over the last yeah twenty years, fifteen years in in Black Level Society, and and we've done it to ourselves. We really have, you know. I mean, yeah. we're such fucking nerds for that, and. Yeah. Now it's just like, it's, you know, um, yeah. I mean, without getting super deep into my theory, you know, I, I think that, you know, we've seen him a million fucking times and it's like, we're not going to not see him, but it's just one of those, I don't know. I don't know where I'm going, where I'm trying to go with this. So I think you kind of know what I mean. Right. Well, you don't you go know, into it with the can, same expectation. Talk through it here, <laughs> you know. The same expectation and excitement from seeing a band that, you know, obviously we've seen a couple of times since they got back. We also saw them in Dallas at yeah. the Ride for Dime. But, you know, COC was pretty sporadic, you know, after yeah. the 90s. Because once American Volume Dealer came out, we saw them on that tour. And then it was kind of a slow period in there before In the Arms of God. Mm -hmm. And then after that run, then that's when Pepper left. And then they did a couple of the hardcore albums. Yeah. He was off and down. So it's more... It's more of a thing now, yes. you know, at least in our, our so lives. <laughs> I think that's, what, yeah, that's what gets us more excited about that right now. Yeah. But yeah, I'd love to see a headline tour just to be able to see some more tracks. You know, I mean, this one, obviously, mm -hmm. they didn't play anything off. Well, they played, I was going to say they didn't play anything off Wise Blood, but they they opened with, you know, a part of Bottom Feeder. Yeah. You know, that instrumental. Yeah. Um, but... And Oh, go ahead. They played four songs off Deliverance, obviously, and they yeah. played three new songs, and then they, you know, played Vote, Vote with a Bullet, and then what else did? That's pretty much it, right? Yeah, yeah. And I mean, and hey, you know, Black Label Society was great. There was that. Oh, yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, I mean. I mean, Suffering Overdue, I didn't think they'd, I was so glad I got to hear that song. Yeah. They, uh. The curtain drops and there's just fucking lights and smoke and Zach Wild standing up there willing. I mean, yep. what more can you fucking want? In his kilt like a fucking boss. <laughs> yeah. And they went into funeral bell. Yes. You know, did I even say funeral bell? Yeah. And I don't think I'd seen him play that since a couple, you know, tours after that came out. Yeah. Know? Yeah. But yeah, so that was that was great. And you got well, Blessed Hell Ride from that album too. Yes. And then um let me think. And then, you know, Spoken the Will, I was really glad to hear that on the set list. Personally, from a personal, you know, music geek standpoint, I was a little bummed that he didn't just sit down on the guitar or piano and play it. Yeah. He did it with the full band. And, yeah. you know, it's, it wasn't like rocking. It was still piano based and with guitars and stuff. And, you know, it was a cool, you know, different, I guess. So that's always good, but just... The, I was just looking forward to it, and I just fucking love that song so much. The they, version on record is just, it's the best. Right. Yeah. And they played it, you know, on the on Black and thing when we saw them. And yes, yeah. So I think that might have been how they did it there, too. I forgot, but. Yeah. Um, God, why am I drawing a blank on that? You know, obviously, they played a few new songs. Yeah. Man, I can't remember the damn name of that song that was so. You know, the new album's 
freaking great. Yeah, it is. I mean, I, I mean, love you, it. You know, Room of Nightmares, Disbelief, yeah. you know. But the... Here, I'm pulling this up right now. That's why I'm pausing. We're live, people. <laughs> All That Once Shined. Yes. That's one of the, the new songs that they played, and that was just over-the-top amazing. So, for me, yeah, I mean... I've, you know, ran my mouth before, just like, ah, they, Zach Wilde doesn't rotate his set list enough. Yeah. You know, obviously he sticks the same thing on tours, but I mean, even between tours, but I kind of ate my words on this one because I think on this one there's, like you said, there's several songs in here that weren't on there the last couple yeah, times we saw them, yeah. so. Well, you know, what I appreciate uh, about BLS and Zach the last couple records is, there for a while when he was just pumping shit out every year. I mean, it was just the solos were just, you know, how fast can I go? <laughs> just flurries, absolute flurries. And, you know, the last couple of records, he's getting more, he's getting back into, you know, he's getting back into something a little bit more meaningful, like, you know, his earlier, his earlier work. Right. Uh, something a little bit more melodic and memorable uh, when it comes to soloing. Um, and I I appreciate that right now about uh, about his work and what he's doing. So I mean it's it's a great time to be a BLS fan, and that was a great show. Yeah, and Zach fan in general because we talked about for the last two or three years he's, you know, because for so long he was 100% BLS. Yes. And then you know obviously now he's working with Ozzy again, yeah. and in between that he's also Zach Sabbath. He did yeah Zach Sabbath more than. Several several tours of that. Mm-hmm. Then he did the full, you know, Book of Shadows two solo tour, which is great. Then he did Generation X the year before last, yeah. and that's coming back later this fall, yeah, as well. So I mean, he and he does the Jimi Hendrix thing every year. So I mean, you can, if you're a Zach fan, there's no shortage of chances to be able to see him in a different capacity. You know? Yeah, oh yeah. But yeah, Mike Dean talked to us for a little while before the show, and extremely cool. Very glad to be able to. To talk to him, one of the original members of this band. That's right. Along with Reed and Woody. And <clears throat> speaking of Reed, like we mentioned, we had him on this podcast a couple years ago. So go back and look that one up. Definitely. If you have not heard it. And I have not listened back to the recording of this. We're recording this before we're putting it together, obviously. So I'm not sure how windy this thing sounds. Hopefully it's... <laughs> It's listenable because we've had some in the past that with the wind, it's still fine. But then we've had other ones where it was a little, yeah, little rough to get through. But bear with us. You know, it's a little under 20 minutes and he says some cool stuff. So even if it's popping in your ears, you know, power through it for us. That's okay? right. That's right. We appreciate it. <laughs> yeah. Cause we had to do this outside because they didn't have a green room. Yeah. There's no green room. There's stuff going on in the bus and there wasn't anywhere else to do it. And I yep. was standing over by the, the venue that, you know, where there was like blockage from wind, there was generators and all kinds of noisy shit. So we took a hike back out to the, the tree <laughs> line there, which I'd never been back there. So that was cool. That's, <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's, you know, podcasting at its finest. That's right. Whatever we got to do, we'll do it. Yeah. You know, before last week, I'd never been able to say I went on a hike in Oklahoma city, you know, Flatlands with fucking Mike Dean, so now yep, I can. Exactly. Alright, All right, let's get into this. Here's Mike Dean from COC. Hey, 
Uh, just getting back to it, man. Just on this ride, you, and you can tell it's neglected because I, you know, broke a valve stem, a routed out tube, and the other last night, and then today I fucking broke the chain trying to ride. No Cross, No Crown's been out about seven months now. Yeah. And, you know, so people have had time to live with it. How are the reactions to the new songs when you play them live? Uh, well, you know, there's there's just a couple, two or three we do live, and it's a real it's a real strong reaction because they're fun songs to play, and that carries over. I, I suspect people are familiar with it, but I'm really, you know, I'm just kind of in my own... Uh, my own world there, so I don't really, I don't really know. But yeah, it's it's a good reaction live for sure. It's pretty much just like the Luddite and, uh, and uh, Wolf Named Crow, occasionally like Little Man that we bust out. Okay. How, how do you think it's sitting, you know, in the realm of all your other releases? I mean, I think it's it's right up there, man. I think it, it, it's it's a real strong one, and and uh, it just it was kind of like not really necessarily the record expected. You know, it was maybe a little more aggressive than we were planning to make or expected to make, and it was it was fun and just kind of fly by the seat of the pants creative in a way that could have backfired terribly but you know we got some good stuff we were just kind of throwing some stuff around see what sticks and rolling tape like literally rolling tape with really new ideas with just drums and guitar to you know live in one room no headphones just to try to get the arrangements and then we kind of flushed them out like that but you know the first time that's you know, sometimes we do the whole band we do everybody on a couple of those tracks and it was mostly the analog tape, and it was like, uh, like the first time we played it right, and something happened. We got it on tape then, so that's got like a certain feel to it. Yeah, it's not like over rehearsed. I mean, a lot of great bands, like great musicians, going to record and going to make a record, and you know, over prepare too way and think about it too much, and it kind of turns into a snooze fest. So we didn't want that. I'd rather err on like slightly sloppy a little bit, you know, within reason than then kind of because these days with computers and you know all the time in the world you can really make some stuff start right. yeah you can get too clean yeah but I'm not they're, they're all great tools and they have their place but you know yeah well it seems like from when you guys started talking about making the record to when you actually finished it was a pretty long span of time compared to back in the day so like how was that compared to that was, say in the 90s where you would just go in and knock it out in a month or something you know? well we we gone some some long time, some some pretty long times in between recordings over the years, but that was just mostly due to the fact that we hadn't played with Pepper for a while, so we were planning on making a record. We had a record deal; it was all set to go, but we kept getting offers to play, go play a show, and you know, like the rents do every month, so you know, you just keep doing it. But after about eighteen months of you know talking about it, it was time to really get to it, and it really past time to get to it, so. Yeah, we just just kept getting offers for tours and stuff like that. So it's a good problem to have, isn't it? Yeah, first world problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, were you writing that whole time, or did you wait until it was time to actually make the album? Uh, we were we were writing a little bit, not not actually too much during that time, like a little a little bit here and there. Um, but we had we had a couple ideas that we would. A lot of the ideas were new, and some of them, like that song "Forgive Me," we kind of. Pepper had a couple riffs, and we kind of came up with an arrangement of sound check on tour and stuff like that. That would that would be the one that we played really the most before we recorded it. You know, that and Little Man, which has been kicking around for a while. Uh, Old Disaster is like an idea that had been kicking around for a while, but everything else was kind of like 
literally the Luddite we just came up with in the studio after all the other stuff was done and uh, just messing around and it turned out to be like good enough that you want to start the record out with it. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this being the first time you've had Pepper and Reed back in a while, how was it have the, the four, the core going again? I, I think it's, yeah, it, I think it was real special. It was kind of a selling point. I mean, uh, you know, like Reed definitely really unique style of playing drums, really like a, kind of like a major, major influence of a lot of drummers and, and, you know, original, original cat. So like to, to have that in the mix was pretty special. You know, the things that he, you know, he brings, you know, when he brings them, uh, that was, you know, that was pretty, pretty huge. Well, say on the shows you've done where Reed hasn't been there, like as a bass player, is it easy to adapt to someone filling in? Uh, we've been, we've been blessed. We've been blessed with, uh, you know, with uh, John Green, who's who's like a real player, you know, from Manchester, England. Like, just our drum tech, you know, filling in, and he's he's really spot on. And now we got uh, Taylor Bork from uh, New Orleans, Louisiana, helping us out. And uh, we kind of have like sort of musical language in common because he's he's real familiar with like a lot of the rhythmic type of things we're influenced by, you know, like just you know, real heavy like. Neville Brothers and stuff like that, you know, meters, you know, kind of throw, I hate God, yeah. just kind of throw that kind of feel into the, into the heavy music, so, so I, I kind of know where he's going, and, and so that's good, but yeah, there might be people who would be, who would be unusual, whatever, you know, I, I play around with some other people, so yeah, it's just different, but yeah, to do songs that, uh, that you're real familiar with, and, and do with one person that originated, and it can be a little different, so somebody else yeah. or that person that came up with them might be constantly trying new stuff all the time with it anyway you know, so, <laughs> you know the stuff they came up with the day you recorded it was just some stuff they came up with and they're, they're still evolving it you know so, yeah you never know you know can't get too complacent you never know what those drummers are going to throw at you yeah. <laughs> but whose idea was it to record son and daughter uh you know john custer was trying to get us to do that because He's like the biggest queen freak in the world. He's like, this riff sounds like a COC riff. It sounds yeah. like a riff you guys would come up with and then you'd never record the song. Only it's like, you know, 45 years ago or something. Yeah. I'm like, wait, it's on the queen. I think I know which one you're talking about. I'm like, so we checked it out and uh, he kind of talked us into it. It was it was kind of a bizarre idea to get Pepper to sing Freddie Mercury, yeah. and we had to kind of change it up, you know. It almost sounds like Jason Aldean doing Freddie Mercury or some <laughs> shit like that. But, uh, well, the way Mercury it. sings that, it's almost screaming in a way. So, well, I mean, the high part is all of them, but like uh, that was that was hard to do. We couldn't do that live. We had to try that a lot of times to make it happen. And uh, but the uh, you know that it's when the Queen recorded it. Brian May song. It's one of the first songs Brian May ever wrote, and uh, and the way Freddie's singing it, the phrasing to me sounds like in the verses, like he's pretty much just reading it. It's kind of like conversational. I call it conversational cabaret phrasing. You know, it's very to to, to do to get somebody like Pepper to try to do that. You know, he wants to put it more in the pocket, and yeah, so take a little playing around with it. That's a, that's a bad riff. It's a bad song. Queen is just one of the greatest rock and roll bands of all time and yeah. you know 
so so much music. So. <laughs> yeah, we got the official the official Queen treat uh, tweet, which is Brian May saying, "Hell yeah!" We're yeah. like, "All right!" <laughs> but uh, and then uh, then there we couldn't resist the temptation to stack a bunch of harmony guitars before the solo that sounded a lot more like uh, "Day at the Races" than the first, than Queen one. Yeah. <laughs> but, uh, you know. Well, yeah. When you go back and listen to the Queen song, it's like it almost sounds like was this the original doom metal song or something you know? well to me it's it's like uh it's like very akin to sabbath or something yeah yeah yes you know it's a little it's a little more straight bluesy to some degree and then you know the singer is a whole other category but, <laughs> but it's yeah. you know like when they're when they're playing it live some of that early stuff they kind of had that intensity you know and like, i think they're they're overlooked by you know Oh, They're overlooked by some of these macho fools <laughs> just because, but yeah. I mean, you know, it's fucking it's rad stuff. Yeah. Well, uh, earlier you mentioned John Custer. I mean, you guys have worked with him so much. What what makes him the go-to guy for you guys? Well, I mean, primarily he's he's just got a good musical perspective. If he plays something, his modus operandi is like, that's cool, but wouldn't it be better if you moved it down here and you kind of played it? A lower fifth for this part, and what if you, what if you took it into this other inversion? You know, he's he's just like uh, kind of takes some of the some of the things we have that are good and and lets them slide, and then some of the things we do that might be obvious. He's like, well, why don't you do something less obvious? And in terms of just a consistent ear for quality control, he can do it in a way you feel comfortable without. Um, kind of invading on your artistic process and he can float some ideas you know in a way that's not threatening you're like okay and I think he makes Pepper feel pretty comfortable tracking vocals you know knowing if that guy's like you know Pepper would be like oh I didn't do that he'd be like no no you did it you can believe it so so it makes that makes that whole process that can be fraught with uh, either doubt or false doubt or like confidence or false confidence you know just a lot of pitfalls it makes that process like pretty matter of fact because it's a couple you know it's a pair of really good ears that you trust you know but largely the best thing about him is like when it's happening he's very hands off and just like you know lets it roll doesn't take away from the forward process and I, I think even more than when we first started working with him. I mean they basically my, my history with John Custer is like I quit the band like after the hardcore type of day, you know, like 1987 and I went and did some crazy stuff and, you know, delivered some stuff on my bicycle in San Francisco and Philadelphia, lived in a squat and stuff. And then they, uh, they, they kind of carried on. I didn't expect them to do anything. And then about 1991, they come out with this record blind and I'm like, oh, okay, what's this all about? I put it on. I'm like, holy shit. They've successfully incorporated all these classic rock elements that we always talked about wishing we could do or you know driving around in the van even in the punk rock day listening to all this you know Skinnerd and Sabbath and Tim Lizzie and stuff and and uh, like you know kind of mix that with the you know the newer bad brains and all the kind of like their take on you know Dave Lombardo type drums and stuff like that just just made this like insane record like whoa how, how did they do that and I turned over I'm like produced by John Custer I was like I bet that's, I don't know that guy. I heard the name. I know he's from Raleigh, but I bet that's, that's got something to do with it. And then you flash forward just like two years later, and they kind of had a falling out with Carl and Phil, and they're asking me to get back in the band and play bass. And, you know, then I got to find out, you know, what it was all about. But I think, uh, I think just being exposed to that guy's level of, uh, 
expectation, especially on the guitars, you know, do it again, do it again, do it again, do it again. At first, they don't have, you know, it's not so much like that now, but it made those guys really examine things and raise their game and be, 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 you know, proficient in the studio. So. Right. Well, you mentioned the hardcore days like that or the couple albums you guys did a few years ago. What's the process like for you as a three-piece compared to writing when you've got Pepper in the band? Like, do you well, approach I mean, it differently or no? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because... Uh, I mean, it sounds different, obviously, but I mean... Yeah, you know, I mean, if we're going to do it with him, he's going to be like the, the primary vocalist and all that. And then there's... Um, so, you know, if it's a three-piece, I'm largely in like, what? Well, you know, we, we all got riffs all day long that you can put together in a song and we got stuff going on, so... In the three-piece mode, it's like, well, I better get busy writing some lyrics and just knock this stuff out and do it, and that's fine, and that's fun to do, and it's a challenge. But, you know, in this mode, it's kind of about, all right, well, he's going to be doing most of the singing, you know, it's, let's let's arrange the song, let's figure out, like, where the, the groove on the bass is, you know, all that, and, and just, uh, you know, make it happen. It, either way, the last few things, you know, my role is, is kind of playing bass and, and engineering the record, you know, and just... Uh, just making shit happen, trying to, trying to, we're all really just trying to serve a song, you know, in, in, in either format, you know, that's what it's about, it's about getting beyond your personality and your ego, and, and like, okay, how do we advance this, this uh, agenda, which is, you know, pretty much song by song, right. you know, yeah. so. Well, you are, you guys are scheduled to play the Loud and Heavy Fest that Cody Jinx is putting on, and that's like primarily... Mostly country bands. I know you and a sword. It's but, the sword and us, yeah. man. <laughs> so, like, is that the first time you guys have ever done anything like that? I think so. Yeah. 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 I mean, I think that'll that'll be pretty cool. I I kind of like it. It kind of when I saw that, but I was like, you know, that that kind of works in a way. I don't know. I think yeah. <laughs> I I heard something about him wanting to write some songs with Pepper or something like that. Pepper's got that kind of persona that could. They could they could cross over to that sort of thing. Maybe maybe in a scary way. That's like uh, you know, in a good way. Or who knows? But yeah, people people go for a dude like that. He's charismatic in that sort of salt of the earth way. So I can see that working out. So I I, I think uh, you know that's this is like probably a prelude to that happening. Who knows? But uh, yeah, I, that's pretty good bill. I'm I'm open to that kind of stuff. You know, um, I'm not real familiar with all you know album deep tracks but I, I heard Cody Johnson that'd be pretty cool see what happens <laughs> <laughs> well, when you, you play a show like that but if somebody's I mean, going to be gracious and not offer us yeah. the thing we're like yeah why sure. not <laughs> <laughs> well if you play a show like that I mean not necessarily to an audience like that but even when you're playing with another band that might be different from COC and you're playing to an audience with it's not familiar to you do you just approach everything the same way and just forget about it when you're on stage or pretty much there's occasional overthinking of it but I mean you start off just you start off just playing it like you always do and you know see what happens maybe try some different things or whatever the black label thing is interesting because I just presumed like all these old fucks that go see black label would know who COC is <laughs> yeah. and yeah. be familiar with it but it's not the case about half the time so it's actually the ultimate support kid because you get to do outreach to people that your stuff is going to mostly appeal to so it's it's yeah. a lot you know, they, they look like people that be in our band, but they're like, I never heard of you. You're good. You're good. We're like, awesome. Mission accomplished. We just yeah. got paid to come out here and, uh, and you know, make some new, uh, some new, 
Well, you seem like it has people coming up every night and saying, oh, I forgot, you know, like they might recognize Clean My Wounds or Albatross or something. Yeah. I mean, you get those kind of people at a black level show. Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, I'm, I'm telling you, dude, there's people that never heard of us that just at all. Baffles and they're me like, that's okay, that's okay. <laughs> well, I mean, it's pretty small. Pretty small time in the grand scheme of massive uh, entertainment yeah. uh, personalities. You know, it's, 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 there's been some, some visibility at certain points, but, you know, compared to some of this other shit, man. Yeah. A lot of water under the bridge since uh, major label CSC, you know. Yeah. Although Nuclear Blast is probably as on top of it as any major label I've ever I said, that, label, that record label's good, you know? Good. They're making us an offer. I'm like, well, they're doing Slayer. I heard of them. <laughs> you think there's a possibility to do, like, a U.S. headline run? Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's that's kind that's of the plan. Cool. cool. Yeah. All these dudes are going, security's going for their fucking, they're running the dog, and they're going down to the creek. <laughs> they're like, man, there's trails down there. And I rode my bike down there and just <laughs> laid into it and broke my chain. <laughs> just so I had to go, you know. Get a chain tool, put my bike back together. <laughs> I'm feeling like a badass because I broke something and, and I, I fixed it. it. Yeah, <laughs> that's it. Is there any new music this year that you're into? New albums? Earthless, the Earthless yeah. record that suddenly it's not just an instrumental band like dudes singing and Brad's badass songs. It's kind of like it's all you know. That's that's probably. That's probably like the one thing I could really say I'm really into. Uh, you know, this year. Yeah. Or even the last couple of years. Ago. You know, like, I dig Windhand. I dig Dorothea, you know. Katra, like, I like her uh, her solo record. That shit's pretty wild. Um, you know, Mothership. That's yeah. an American rock and roll yep. band right there, yep. you know. Right. Sure, just been <laughs> uh, You know. Yeah, a few things. Right on, man. Well, we appreciate you taking the time to do this. No worries. Appreciate, yeah. appreciate you walking down here away from the fucking yeah. generator. Yeah. What are, what are, what are we going to do with all this salvage? These, dude. There you go. Mike Dean of Corrosion of Conformity. Very honored to have him on this podcast. A huge thanks, thanks to Liz from Airsplit PR. And thank you to Ted, their tour manager. And, of course, thank you to Mike Dean for taking yes, the time. definitely. Great dude. Yeah. Like we mentioned early on, Reed Mullen has also been on this podcast. I think it was episode 61, so dig back through and find that one. If you're a COC fan, we appreciate you listening. That's and right. If you have not picked up No Cross, No Crown yet, you need to do that because this record is fantastic. It's easily... I think it's going to be in my top five for sure. And... I like that when he was talking about songs from the album, when he specifically mentioned some, he mentioned Forgive Me, Little Man, and Old Disaster. Yeah. And those are probably my three favorite songs on this album. See, there you the go. The ones he pointed out. Yeah. And, you know, Wolf Named Crow, of course, is great. I mean, it's all Direct line to his brain. That's right. That's what you got. Yeah, the wavelength there. You know? It's like, I know. That's why I love these songs. You know? yeah. Hell yeah. Oh, yeah. But, yeah, you people need to check this out and listen to this whole album. Definitely. If you're a COC fan, you, you're, you'll love it. That's right. That's right. And Trent, what, what is what is our email address? TheThunderUnderground at gmail.com. Well, then, people, if you went to this show, or if you got the D. Snyder record, anything, let us know. Let us know what you think. We want to hear from you guys more. Yeah. 
yeah, you can comment on Facebook or email us directly. We'd love to hear your comments on any of that. Might even read it on the air. You never know. There you go. I mean, if it's hateful enough, we'll definitely read it on the air. That's right, because those, <laughs> those are the best ones. Like this thing on Facebook. Like it wherever you listen to it, whether it be SoundCloud or iTunes or Google or Stitcher. Comment, subscribe, wherever. YouTube at Ethan Underground. We've got most of them up on there as well. SoundCloud.com backslash Thunderdash Underground. All these previous episodes you could dig through. We mentioned Jimmy Bauer earlier. He's been on here. Yes. Steven Taylor from Superjoint has also been on here. Like we said, Reed Mullen. We've had on John Connolly from Seven Dust. We've had on Gene Simmons from Kiss. That's right. Bruce Kulick from Kiss. Yes. Guys from other heavy bands like Death Angel, King, Saxon. That's right. Corrosion and Conformant. I just... I, I'm, fucking, I'm so used to saying that. I know you, you had you had the you had it rehearsed. I don't I don't I don't fault you. That's okay. That's right. It shows that you know your shit. You know what you're doing. Right. Um, Kirk Winstein from Crowbar. That's right. You know he's been on here twice. Fucking run a hot one and bite them both. <laughs> Tommy Victor from Tommy the Victor heavy from metal Paul band Paul. Yeah, has been on his podcast. That's right. That's right. Had on two of the guys from Black Star Riders slash Thin Lizzy. We've had on guys from, if you like, Glam, Melodic Rock, Warrant, Europe, Firehouse, Lillian Axe, Trickster, Bullet Boys, Great White. I mean, all those guys. Yeah. have been on here. The list is pretty long. If you like your, your mainstream rock, Shine Down, Saving Abel, tons of that stuff too. A Legion, Battlecross, real heavy stuff as well. So Wino, we had Wino on. Yeah. Who can say that? That guy's kind of a mystery sometimes. That's right. We got him, though. Maybe one day he'll wander back through. I hope so. I hope so. Yeah. Speaking of, the first time we saw him, he was opening for Zach Long. Yes. yes. Bringing us all back around. Uh, It's cyclical. It's a circle. (laughs) See, and that goes into what I said earlier, that Zach always has great openers. Yes, he does. He's at the Midas touch for that shit. That's right. TheThunderUnderground.com is the website. You can listen to everything there. Find all our socials there. All that great stuff. Hit us up on Instagram and Twitter as well. This weekend is the We Are Tulsa Tribute Show. Yes, get to that. August 4th at the Shrine. Get out to that. There's 20 bands on two stages. Every band is going to be playing a couple cover songs at least. Some bands will be playing more. And the cover songs are all artists from Tulsa, whether it be someone current or someone from back in the day. That's right. It's put on by CJ McClellan, a grind and Paul Ed Haas of fist of rage. They were both on this podcast last week. So go back and check that out here about all that. We'll play a couple of the artists on there as well. Let's slip the dogs on here recently. You can still hear all their new music right here. Two episodes ago. That was a good one. Their new EP is great. All four songs are on that episode. But yeah, does that cover this thing, I think, this week? I think we got it. All right. I will see you next week and tell you all about the bands I did not see at Lollapalooza. <laughs> That's right. Right. I was going to bring that up. Didn't know if you wanted me to. But you are you are working at Lollapalooza this weekend. Right. In Chicago. Yeah. So so I will be holding it down at the We Are Tulsa Tribute. That's right. But you got a damn good reason for missing. <laughs> so work your ass off. Have fun. And represent Thunder Underground for us. I will. I'll Hell check yeah. out the Arctic Monkeys and throw them Thunder Underground stickers. They need it. Yeah. 
But they need something shit. I don't fucking know. Yeah. I'm going to throw a Greta Van Fleet and Aerosmith CD and say, you're fucking, listen to someone else, dude. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Until next time. People ran at the, ran into the Holiday Express with these, that, you know, rode their fucking, rode their bikes in Tulsa. You know, like, it, you know, the show's not till Monday. Now they're like, what? Yeah. Oh, I'm like, I know you rode 100 fucking miles. But... Thunder Underground, y'all.